And uh, we're still talking about mind renewal. We're still talking about mind renewal. And if you have your Bible with you, just hold it in your hands. Uh, lift it up and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word. And my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Uh, Still talking about mind renewal. Remember Romans chapter number 12 verse 2 says for us not to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but for us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we may prove. That word prove simply means so that we may manifest what is that good perfect and acceptable will of God. Amen? And if you are not here in the past two weeks, please go to our website so that you can catch up on what some of those words mean in Romans 12 verse 2. Amen? Today we are moving right along and I want to talk about something that is an aspect of mind renewal which is called meditation and also it is a facet called godly imagination. Amen? And this, if you master these principles, these are basic principles. And the sad thing is, sometimes I feel like a lone voice. I feel like I'm the only one teaching this in the country. I feel like, man, the the whole church should be training the body of Christ to start letting the word of God shape their thinking. And not just come and gather around an emotional frenzy where you want someone to lay hands on you and you fall or just get a goosebump. Because it hasn't produced much in the church for this long. Amen? But I know this, that if we can change the way you think, we can change your life. The Bible says in Proverbs 23 verse 7, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The problem is we shout, I am blessed, but we think we have a lack mentality. We think poverty and resist everything that has to do with the blessing and abundance. Hallelujah. So here we have a scenario. Let's go to Joshua chapter number 1 verse 8. Joshua chapter number 1 verse 8. And also open 1 Timothy chapter number 4 verse 15. The reason I ask for these two scriptures is that Timothy, both Timothy and Joshua were in a, a, a precarious situation. They were in, a, uh, uh, in the same situation where they were taking over leadership. Uh, from a man who had been amazing in leadership. Remember Joshua was taking over leadership from Moses, the miracle man. I mean, he had done amazing things in leadership, parted the Red Sea, hit the rock, water came gushing out, uh, prayed and food rained from heaven. And then Joshua was coming to take over leadership from that man. And it's the same thing with Timothy. Timothy had, was taking over leadership of the church at Ephesus, 50,000 strong. It was an impossible task. You know why? Because Paul was amazing in leadership. I mean, the one time they were just singing songs, sitting in a prison, and there was an earthquake. I mean, this dude was just an amazing leader. And he asked Timothy to take over the church at Ephesus. So both Joshua and Timothy are in the same position. They're taking over leadership from amazing guys. And it looks like an impossible task. How many of you today are faced with what looks like an impossible task? Just lift your hand. If you didn't lift your hand, then your dream is not big enough. Amen? 
Man, you should have a dream for a house that you can't buy with your own salary. Man, you should have a dream for your business to reach people that you can't do in your own strength. Because if you can do it with your CV, you don't need God. Man, it has to be so big when you look at it, you have to get frightened. And just say, Lord, this is why I'm submitted to you. So they were both in a tight spot. And this is what God said to both of them. First to Joshua. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. In other words, speak the word all the time. Not opinions. You know why? Because God watches over his what? His word to perform it. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall do what? You shall meditate. Someone say meditate. Meditate. Man, a lot of people when we say meditation, they think we're talking about an Eastern, you know, transcendental, traditional meditation from the East. That's not what we're talking about. Transcendental meditation seeks to empty your mind. You know, yoga and stuff. Christian Bible meditation seeks to fill up your mind with God's word and God's promises. He says you shall meditate in it how many times? Day and night, so that you may observe to do, excuse me, according to all that is written in it. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. That's uh, King James' way of saying, then you shall make your way prosperous. And I like that. Because God has just transferred the destiny for my prosperity into my hands. He didn't say, then will heaven look upon you and see if you qualify and then they'll... No. He didn't say, then will the devil... No. He didn't say, then will your pastor... No. He didn't say, then will your papa or your prophet... No. He didn't say that. He said, then will you... You. Someone say me. Me. He says, then will you make your way prosperous and have good success. As opposed to bad success. Because there is a thing called good success. Amen? Amen. And there is a thing called bad success. What is bad success? You know, I have every car for every day of the week. I have a Bentley. I have a Maserati. I have a Porsche. And I have a a, a Harley Davidson. In the meantime, I have a track on my wife's car because I don't really trust her. So I can't enjoy the Maserati because while I'm driving down the streets, I'm thinking, what is my wife had been up to behind my back? I can't keep a good meal down from stomach pores, worried about the people around me because I don't know whether they're here for the money or they genuinely want to be around me. Bad success. God is saying if you meditate on his word, you will have good success. Peace of mind and all. Amen. First Timothy chapter number four, verse fifteen. Someone shout, I have good success. Shout, my marriage is working. And someone else is thinking, I'm not married. Speak it like a prophet. Amen. Shout, my marriage is working. And my children are wise and healthy. First Timothy four fifteen. What, watch, watch the first word he says. What's that? Meditate. He says, hey, meditate upon these things. In other words, keep your mind on the word of God. I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that everyone is a master meditator. 
everyone has the ability to meditate on stuff day and night. The problem is we've been using meditation for the wrong thing. Did you know that worry is meditation? Amen? He's saying don't focus on worry. Don't focus on your problem. Focus on the solution. Meditate on these things. Here's the definition of meditation. Give yourself wholly to them. Do you see it? Give thyself wholly to them so that thy profiting may appear to all. Every time in scripture you see the word meditation, you're going to see prosperity. You're going to see good success. You're going to see profit. Everywhere you see scripture. You know why? Because the Christian life is lived from the inside out. It's not a form of godliness. Your thoughts have to line up with prosperity. In fact, every faith act that God asks, asks you to do feeds and fixes the thought bugs in your mind. When God asks you to give, generous people have a mindset of abundance. We could have the same 10,000. And if I'm generous and you're not, what you are saying is this 10,000 is all I'll ever get. So I can't give any of it. I must guard it with all of my life. And if I'm over here giving from that 10 grand, what I'm saying is, guess what? There is more where this came from. And it's that mindset that brings me prosperity. Generous people will always prosper. You know why? Because they develop over a period of time a mindset of abundance. A mindset that says, hey, resources are not limited. But stingy, greedy people have a mindset of, you, this hundred rand. <laughs> That's all I'll ever get. <laughs> and guess what? As a man thinketh in his heart, that's all you'll ever get. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that's what I want to go to, do to today. Man, this is so awesome. It's just crazy. Uh, Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 23 says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. There's another dimension called the spirit of your mind. And the spirit of your mind is the word imagination. Someone say imagination. Imagination is simply the ability to see something that is not currently present with you. And your imagination feeds your hope. And your hope feeds your faith. Because the Bible says uh, uh, in Hebrews chapter number 11 verse 1, faith is the substance of what? Things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So how can I have hope for something that I haven't seen? You can see it in your spiritual mind. You can see it in your heart. And God has given us a God ability to imagine things or to imagine near things. To begin to see things. That's what faith is. Faith is the ability to see things before they arrive in the manifested presence. The problem is, is this. Everyone imagines stuff. Everyone is a master imagine. Children, man, children are creative. They use their imagination in a creative way. Man, my little girl, my little daughter, four years old. Man, she, she has a, an amazing imagination. She makes me do things that my wife would, would never dare ask me to do. <laughs> When she finishes watching cartoons, she'll come and say, Daddy, let's do horsey. <laughs> and what she means is, I must be the horse. <laughs> and I get down on my knees and she rides on me and she's imagining riding a horse. Yeah. Wow. 
And she says, hey, because there is no horse, I'll make myself a horse. <laughs> Amen? So everyone uses their imagination in God-given ability. Now, I could ask you right now, how many uh, uh, doors are in your house? Most of you have already gone to your house. You are in your house right now. Okay, come back. (laughs) And that's what the Word of God is supposed to do. When you read it, it is supposed to shape your imagination. When it says, uh, I will meet all your needs according to my riches and glory, let that shape your imagination. And just like you went to your house to count the doors, go to that place where you can begin to see all your needs met. The problem is we read it and we just let it, we read it with such a dry attitude. You know, just these words, just I'm reading. Let's go to Genesis chapter number one. I don't want this service to run into the next one. Amen. Genesis chapter number one. Did I say one? Uh, okay, let's go to 11 first. Genesis 11, 1 to 6. Before we go to chapter number 1. Genesis 11, 1 to 6. Watch what it says. And the whole earth, someone say the whole earth, was, was of one language and of one speech. Next verse. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go. Let us make brick. And br- they are using their imagination now. Can you see it? It says, go. Let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime and for mortar. And they said, go. Let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto the heaven. Let us make a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see and the tower which the children of men builded. Wait a minute. They were still talking about it. They haven't built the tower. Do you see it? This is what, they never even got to build the tower. That's why you can go to Jerusalem and see all these uh, monuments. You can see Jesus' tomb. But you can't see the Tower of Babel. You know why? Because they never got to build it. But in God's mind, once you think it, He considers it done. Once you can imagine it, He considers it done. Both on the positive and on the negative. That's why He says if you look and imagine, look at a woman lustfully and imagine it, you've already done it. So if you look at your life with a prosperous eye, you are already prosperous. Even still while riding a taxi and paying rent. If you can change the image on the inside, I can guarantee you your life has no choice but to follow suit. Amen. God will look from heaven and say they are already prosperous. Amen. God will look from heaven and say they have already built it. <laughs> because they have a blueprint. Amen? Next verse. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this thing they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have what? See, once you imagine it, there is no restraints. Once it hits your mind in pictorial form, once it hits your mind in a live, living, vivid picture, that's it. Hunt your neighbor and ask them, what do you see? Tell them, I see prosperity. Tell them, I see a good home. 
Tell them, I see a big church. Man, see, here's the deal. I started imagining, and I was talking to Dillian. We went to Cape Town preach together, and she told me about a church that she saw herself preaching. And last week, they invited her to come and preach. I think 2011, my wife and I got married and we started house hunting, looking for a house. Couldn't find a house. And then a design quarter, uh, one Sunday morning after church, we're sitting there having lunch and uh, we were with Stacy and Stacy started asking us questions. You're telling me you haven't found the house. What kind of a house are you looking for? I said, we don't know. I said, so then how are you looking? She says, because we think we will know when we see it. She said, no, it doesn't work like that. Faith starts from knowledge. Faith begins at the point of knowledge. Do you know exactly what kind of a life you want? And we started writing down. She said, hey, listen, what you need to do is to write down everything you want to see in that house. And we started writing things down, man. And here's another dimension. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to stretch your imagination. Because you can only believe God to as far as your eye can see. My wife started saying, man, we want a house with a scullery. I had grown up in a three-room house. I didn't know what a scullery was. So even if God wanted to give me a scullery, he wouldn't have given me a scullery. You know why? Because I had no idea what a scullery was. And my wife began to explain to me what a scullery was. She said, I want a swimming pool. I mean, the closest thing I'd ever come to a swimming pool was the bathtub. Man, I used to swim in the bathtub. I said, I want a swimming pool. You want a swimming pool? We started writing those things down. And within seven days, my wife walked into the house that we live in today. And she said, this is it. This is the house I was writing down. It's your imagination. But beyond your imagination, you need exposure. You need the Holy Spirit to begin to stretch. This is why Jabez prayed and said, Lord, enlarge my territory. This is why when God wanted to enlarge Abraham's mind, he said, man, come out of the tent. Come out of the tent. Because the tent is a limiter. It's a box. Don't think inside the box. Just come out of it. Look unto the heavens. How many stars can you see? He says, I can't count them. He says, that's as many children as I'm going to bring to you. And I'm going to give you. He says, can you see the sand on your feet? He says, your, your children are going to be as numerous as the sand on the feet. And he began to expand Abraham's imagination. Same thing with Joseph. He, in fact, with Joseph, and this is going to be your experience for most of you. Most of you could never dream beyond a three-bedroom house. And sometimes God has to wait until you are sleeping and your conscious mind is not resisting and fighting. And then just drop it by force. Just shoo. Because if God had tried to negotiate that deal with Joseph, Joseph would have said, man, I'm, I'm the youngest, you know, I'm not even my dad's favorite, you know, there's so many excuses. But God just waited until he was resting. And in his mind, and he saw himself standing and his brothers bowing down before him. And he didn't fight it. The next day he woke up and began to speak it. And it became a reality. What did he do? He engaged his imagination. Let's go to Genesis 1. Is this helping someone? Thank you, Jesus. Genesis chapter number 1 from verse 26 to 27. Genesis 1, 26 to 27. Okay, here's what it says. 
Again, God, this is God's M.O. This is God's modus operandi. Even when he creates, he uses the same, the same blueprint. Create in your imagination first, and then it becomes a reality. Amen? In fact, I will be so dare to tell you that everything that you see in your life started as an imagination. Your car was an imagination. Your house was an imagination. The chair you're sitting on was an imagination. It started in someone say, the aeroplane that you fly was an imagination. The Wright brothers were sitting and saying, man, we can fly people. <laughs> we can get people in a tube, give them oxygen and fly them all over the world. And this is how God operates. Watch what he says. And God said, someone say he said. He said. Notice with mankind... Uh, with, with all creation, when God created, you would say, let there be trees, and there was trees. Amen? Amen? Over here, he called a meeting. He said, Holy Ghost, Jesus, come, let's have a meeting. And when they came, the Bible says, God said, let us make man in our image. <laughs> that word image is imagination. It says, let us make man in our imagination. He says, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Amen. And God was finished with the template. Now go to Genesis 2 verse 7. Watch what he says. Look up. And then... And the Lord God formed. Someone say formed. So he took the imagination, the blueprint that he had. And in chapter number two, he actually brought it to life. He began to form it. He began to let it uh, uh, manifest. Says, and, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And he became... A living soul. God had a dream and he made it a reality in chapter number 2. And it's the same power he has given to his children. Whatever you see. In fact, where you are today, I can guarantee you, you probably saw it 10 years ago. Now, if you had seen better. I know it's hard. It's going to be hard. But today, I mean, I was sharing the same message with the guys who come to our live group. And I was saying today we have tools that can help you see beyond where you are. Yeah. They have something called uh, Pinterest. Pinterest, man, you can go places you've never been. You can begin to shape your mind through Pinterest. Man, we already even have the church building on Pinterest. And I see those pictures. And I see those pictures. Man, just last week I was at TBN doing as I'd seen myself on TV 12 years ago. I knew I was going to be on TV. Amen. And not only that, because I'd seen myself on TV, I did that one show. They called me back on Sunday after service. They said, man, we want to offer you for free a weekly show. And, and, and Donald, Donald Lawrence, he sang a song. It's called See Yourself in the Future. See yourself in the future. 
You are royalty. What is he saying? He's saying, let the word of God shape your images. Don't let circumstances, see, because life circumstances have a tendency to shape your mind and to shape your imagination. They did an experiment years ago, uh, took a grasshopper, put him in a bottle and put a lid on top of it. And every time the grasshopper would jump, it would hit the lid. Hit the lid, hit the lid and go back down, hit the lid. And then after about uh, a week, they took the, the, the lid off and now there was freedom. But in his mind, he had been conditioned that you can only go this high. And that's what life situations, that's what television has a tendency to do to God's children. To show you, that you can only own a three-bedroom. You're middle class. Man, you won't find that in scripture. God doesn't qualify people. You are middle class income earner. No, no, no. My source is heaven. It is unlimited. And life has a tendency to bring images. And here's the scary thing. We embrace the images as the church. And Lord, not let the word of God shape what we see. Ooh, man, is this good? Amen. Romans chapter number 1, verse 21. Romans chapter number 1, verse 21. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, look up. Look at what it says. Because that... When they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their what? I didn't hear that. I did not hear that. Come on, preach like you in the 830 service. They became vain in their imaginations. You know what that just means? It simply means their imaginations stopped being productive. For the things of God. They became vain. They, imagined. they still had an imagination, but it was not producing for them. And look at the process of, of, of reaching the place of vain imagination. The first thing is knowing God and not glorifying Him as God. And there are people who know God, but they treat Him like a lightweight. You know, when we say glorify God, we are saying uh, uh, make God heavy. Honor God in your life. Amen. There are a lot of people that know God, but they treat Him like a lightweight. They treat Him cheaply. <laughs> Amen? Since they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were they thankful. Here's the second part. If you don't glorify Him as God, you are not going to be thankful in your heart. You will not have a heart of gratitude. It's the order of things. If you don't honor Him, you won't give Him thanks. And if you don't give Him thanks, you will become vain in your imaginations. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Notice what the ultimate position or posture is a darkened, foolish heart. What does that mean? A heart full of ignorance. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So we need, to, we, need to, we need to honor God as God and we need to be grateful. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go to Genesis chapter number 6, verse 5. Man, I just have to. If you're taking down notes, write this down. The word imagination is the Hebrew word yasta. 
which is translated imagination and it is also translated mind and it means the conception chamber it means everything that reaches your imagination you know when the word of God reaches your imagination level it is as a seed that reaches a woman's womb there is no turning back both for the good and for the bad this is why you are not to let the words of defeat shape your imagination remember the ten spies that went into the city to spy the land they came back with a vain imagination they said every man we saw in that land was a man of great stature and we were like what grasshoppers in our own sight and so were we in theirs they saw themselves in other words in their imagination those so they saw themselves as grasshoppers and if you see yourself as a grasshopper in your imagination you will become one someone shout from today onwards I will let the word of God shape my imagination. Thank you, Jesus. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every what? I didn't hear that. Come on, say it with power. Every imagination of their thoughts, of his heart, was only evil continually. The reason why there was so much wickedness in the earth was because every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil man i, I told you last week grew up in a dysfunctional family the image before me was that marriage doesn't work that was the image before me and if you take that and let that shape your mind getting into marriage you are going to have an evil imagination about your spouse watch this continually and it will begin to manifest i had to stop that get into god's word let god's word begin to define to me what a heavenly heaven made marriage looks like what a heavenly heaven made children family looks like and as i submitted to that watch this that's all i see watch this all the time i see success everywhere i look you know why because i've trained my mind to see good things so the bible says to the pure all things are what pure to the evil all things are evil so who's determining whether it's pure or evil? It's you in your heart. To the prosperous, all things are prosperous. Amen. You could literally start a business picking up trash. It's called pick it up. He's a billionaire. To the prosperous, man. They see money everywhere they go. You are running out of Sudan. I met people at our business park that say, hey man, we're moving into Sudan. They see with a different eye. Amen? So you have to, I mean, Jesus would always do this with sick people. Give them an imagination. Give them an assignment. Hey, pick up your bed and walk. Even Jesus himself, he said, I only do the things which I see my father do. Where did he see it? 
in his heart. So you have to seek understanding. Let the Holy Spirit make the word of God plain and simple to your heart. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can ignite this word in your heart. Don't read it as hieroglyphics. Because there is indeed power in God's word. Amen? I mean, I came to, if I came to you today and I said, man, and, and Steph crossed the line and he caught the ball and he's downtown and he throws and it looks like a four-point play. How many of you understood that? Only one. You know why? Because he has a revelation of the game. And if I called him up to explain, he'd be like, Pastor T, what you said is this. Steph Curry crossed the line, he caught the ball, and when he shot, he was fouled, and he's going to the three-point line, and uh, to the free-throw line, and he's going to shoot and get four points. And that's what happens. When you approach God's word with the Holy Spirit, you have understanding. You may say something like, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Someone else is thinking that Steph Curry thing, like, what did he just say? <laughs> but with the Holy Spirit, you'll be like, man, he's saying he came so that me, I might have life and have it more abundantly. And that word abundance means Zoe. And this is how it impacts my life. And you start walking in it, and it shapes your imagination. And your life can never be the same. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the what? Pulling down of strongholds, casting down what? Imaginations. We have to cast down imaginations or images from other nations that don't fit into God's word. Cast them down. Man, if you get a mental picture that says you're going to lose your job and you'll be a loser and you're not going to get married, you're going to have a divorce, your children aren't going to... Cast that thing down. Don't stay on it. Don't meditate on failure. Amen. Only thing you should be meditating on is success and dreams. Watch this. That are God given. And I can guarantee you, if God gives you a dream, it's going to be bigger than you. Amen. Man, when I look at what, where God is taking us as a church, I get frightened sometimes. Because it's so big. Why? Because he's a big God. Thank you, Lord. Let's go to Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 15. If you're taking down notes, the word mind is the word imagination in Isaiah chapter number 26, verse 3. And it is the Greek word yasta. Remember, he said he shall keep him in perfect peace whose mind, that word mind is imagination, whose imagination is stayed on him. When your imagination is stayed on God, you will have perfect peace. Amen. I said amen. And it's the same word that is used in Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 15. Watch what it says. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had an opportunity to return. To have returned. Whatever you are mindful of, or whatever you keep in your image, mental pictures, what you are doing is you are opening a door or an opportunity for your life to drag you back into that very thing. And here is talking about Moses. It says, man, they were not mindful of that very land they came out of. They were mindful of the land that flows with what? Milk and honey. And this is why God uses these words. I mean, God could have just said, hey guys, 
I want to take you to your own country. He didn't say that. He has to use words that paint pictures in your imagination. He says, I'm taking you to a land that flows with milk and honey. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Man, can you see it? Just lying down in green pastures. But you have to let these words marinate your mind and just paint pictures. Amen? Come alive in your spirit. And I used to wonder why people, you know, just shout amen or whatever when I'm preaching, man. And, and God told me they finally got it. Man, when he paints a picture and hits your imagination, you're like, man, I get it. Man, I get this. And I can see myself in it. Amen? Uh, the Bible commands the elders in the, in the church to be sober. And that word sober is the Greek word nepho. It simply means to be void of speculative imaginations. He's not talking about drinking wine or whatever. He's saying elders must be sober. In other words, elders must be void of speculative imaginations. The reason why relationships don't work is because people have too much speculation. Speculative imaginations. Things that didn't even happen. Someone who leave the church, the pastor didn't greet me, he hates me. I knew he always hated me, man. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the ranch, the dude was just tired and he was talking to someone else, amen? Void of speculative imagination. Second Chronicles, chapter number 12, verse 14. Let's close this thing, amen? Is this helping someone? Man, I want to give you assignment. I want to give you an assignment. Someone say homework. Let me give you homework. Before you sleep every night, see your life the way you want to see it. And have a scripture that backs it up. So I'm not talking about visualization. I'm talking about you getting scripture. Get the word of God and let it paint your future. Amen. See it. Begin to see it. Thank you, Lord. <coughs> Where did I tell you to go? 2 Chronicles 12, 14. This is after the children of Israel had given an offering. Remember, David and the nation, they had given an offering to the tune of about 5 billion U.S. dollars in today's terms. And after they had given, they were so grateful. They started thanking God and just saying, God, man, you are amazing. You took us from being slaves, just making bricks with straw with saliva. They were making bricks with saliva and working crazy hours, inhuman hours. And God brought them to a place where they were just prosperous. Everything they were doing was just prosperous. And when David called for an offering to build the church, I mean, the church responded. 3.5 billion. Someone shout, that's us. 3.5 billion. The gold for the things of gold. You know, not building and you wanted this thing gold, then you change your mind along the way because the budget... Ah, let's just put copper. No, gold for the things of gold. Amen. 5.5 billion, the whole nation. They were so challenged and it was a great day of just celebration and just praising God. And this is what David says. He said, uh, no, that's not the scripture that I wanted. Did I say 2 Chronicles? Okay, let's go to 1 Chronicles 29. 1 Chronicles 29, not this one. First Chronicles 29, 1 to 19. And then we close. Amen. 
Furthermore, David and the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon and my son, whom alone God has chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord. Next verse. Did I say 1 to 29? 1 to 19. Okay. Now I have prepared with all might for the house of God the gold, things to be made of gold, and silver for the things of silver, and brass for the things of brass. Is it not gold, copper for the gold? Can you see? Gold for gold. Amen. Wood for the things of good, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistering stones, and diverse colors, and all men of precious stones, and marble, and stones in abundance. Someone say abundance. Oh, God is amazing. He just said to put that in there. <laughs> Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of God, I have my own proper good of gold, silver. This is David saying. You know, the nation has given, but because me, I've also set my affection to the house of God, I'm going to do my part. I've given to the house of my God over and above all that I've prepared for the house of God. Let's go. Next verse. Even 3,000 talents of gold and of gold of Ophi and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses with all. The gold for things of gold. The silver for things of silver. And for all manner of work to be made by the hands of artificers. And who then is willing to consecrate his service uh, this day unto the Lord? So they had given. Let's go to verse 19. Verse 19. Verse 18. Yes. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the what? I didn't hear that. I did not hear that. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the what? In the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of the people. And prepare their heart unto thee. He says forever keep it in their imagination. And this was God's attitude even concerning the Old Testament saints. Whenever God gave them a breakthrough, you'd ask them to build an altar. So that every time they walk past it, they are reminded, God is still Jehovah Jireh. God is still Jehovah Shammah. God is still Jehovah Shalom. He is still Jehovah Tzidkenu, my righteousness. Amen. Every time you walk past it, you need to have monuments in your house for every victory. Because if God can did, did, done did it yesterday, He can do it again. Amen. If God did it for you back in college, back in university, back in high school, He can do it for you today. Man, stop limiting God. So you have an assignment. When you go home, some of you have uh, uh, smartphones. Go get that thing called Pinterest. Go and begin to build your vision board on it. Some of you are old school, man, you don't have a smartphone. Go and find a poster and build a vision board. The Bible says, write the vision down, make it plain, so that he who sees it may run with it. Run is a position of compassion, of passion. It's a position of passion. And he's saying, the only way you can develop that level of passion is when you can see the vision. And trust me, it's not going to happen automatically. 
because the enemy is trying to put his own visions as well. You have to fight it. This is probably going to be the hardest thing you ever did as a Christian, controlling your thoughts. Oh no, Pastor T, I thought the hardest thing I'd ever do as a Christian was, you know, to stop sinning. No, that's easy. Controlling your thoughts to make them line up with God's word is the hardest thing you are ever going to do as a Christian. And you have to be intentional about it. Get your vision board. Look at it. But beyond that, internalize it. Not only should you know what your house looks like, you should be able to literally walk into it. Just like you went back to your house now, you should be able to walk into your dream house. You should be able to walk into your dream vision, your dream job, your dream business, whatever God is calling you to. Some of you are kingdom financiers. You should see yourself writing a billion dollar check to the church. Now, how much will you have to have in your account to write a billion dollars? See, most people don't think like that. They didn't give a billion to the church. Maybe you have 12. Because as one hand receives, the other hand gives. And as the money flows through, there will be plenty for you. But catch that vision. See yourself coming to church and say, man, we need to build five centers in the world. One in Nigeria. And we're gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm doing it, Pastor. See yourself there. And that abundance mindset will begin to, man, this is awesome stuff. Be intentional about it. How many business people do we have in the house? Man, I'm telling you, be intentional about your business being successful. How many career people, if you believe in God for a promotion, why should you believe, you know, I just want to be chief, chief clerk. I just want to be chief. Then you can be chief clerk in your own strength. Then I can also be chief clerk in your organization. No experience, amen? Then you should believe for the CEO position and see yourself there and submit to the power of God to take you there. I mean, God will go to a shepherd boy and say, You are a king. What are you talking about? That's the God that we serve. Amen. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus.